welcome to Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Gavin Matthews from Solus, and I'm presenting this week on my own. Neither Andy Bannister nor Christy Mayer can make it this week, and it's normally a kind of a, a two-man pilot effort, this, but I'm flying solo this week. However, we always bring interesting guests who've got something to tell us about sharing their faith in Jesus Christ today. We've had such a, a great range of guests over the last year or two. This week is no exception. I'm delighted to be joined by Adam White. Adam, hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm ready to chat all things evangelism and all things God-related. So it's a good day. Fantastic. And which part of the country are you joining us from today? So I live in Edinburgh. So um, I'm based in Leaf. Uh, I live in Stockbridge. So that's my general uh, haunt all around that area. Wonderful. Now, you've come and joined us on, on a program where we're going to be talking about evangelism. But Four years ago, that would have sounded ridiculous to you, right? Because you've been a Christian three years, you told me. Uh, and I think if you had been told four years ago that you'd be on a podcast talking about sharing your faith in Jesus, you would have thought that was slightly ridiculous. So tell us, what happened in your life that kind of brought you full circle to, to where you are, are now? Yeah, well, I mean, you're, you're right. If we went back four years, I would assume somebody had kidnapped me, um, filled my brain full of <laughs> chemicals and sent me back into the world, uh, you know, a, a brainwashed man. And, and it's kind of ironic, that phrase, brainwashed, because I think that's exactly what's happened. I've had my brain washed, and therefore I can now, I can now think clearly. You know, this is what the wonderful thing um, of, of learning who God is, is, is that he meets people where they are, and he certainly met me where I was. Uh, you know, I was, I was in a position where I was looking uh, at, at the world and assuming that everything around me is just just there. Never really thought about it and, and you know, never really give it a second thought. My wife grew up in a, a, a Christian family, but she wasn't convicted by any sense. Uh, although she said she was Christian, she didn't really carry out any of her faith. And so looking at her and me side by side, you would just look at two pagans, essentially, uh, in terms of actions. Uh, she was convicted after the birth of our second child. And, uh, and, and then something just changed in her. And I just remember her Bible coming out more. She started going to church consistently. Consistently, and I remember saying to her, "If you're going to teach our children about, you know, this man in the sky, I'm going to teach our children about science." That really arrogant kind of thinking that I had then, and it makes me cringe to even think about it now. But that's that's what I was like. Uh, in fact, one of the one of the, the biggest memories I have is is her saying to me in some difficult times, "Why don't you just try praying?" And me shouting up the stairs to her, "I'm never going to be a Christian." I'm never going to be a Christian. Uh, and, and followed up with everything that we have in life is because of what I've done. Um, and no truer words have I ever spoken than those as I look back at my life um, after being saved and realizing that all of the pitfalls I, I, I were created by me. I had put myself into all kinds of problems in our life, financial problems and, and, and spiritual problems and marriage problems because of the way that I was. I was, I was just selfish. Um, so for, for myself, the, the journey started as we, we came up to Edinburgh. Um, we moved back to Edinburgh actually in lockdown uh, and started, uh, I just, I woke up one morning uh, and it was like God just sort of touched me on the shoulder. And I just woke up one morning and went, okay, let me go and see if there's actually ev any evidence for this God thing. Let's at least when I talk to my mm. wife about God, um, I can be, I can have some level of congruence when we're talking and I'm not just sort of parroting information and just sort of, you know, pushing it to the side. Uh, so, you know, I, one of the wonderful little things God did for me is, is he gave me a wife that doesn't like to argue, whereas I do. 
<laughs> if you do like to argue, then then but the, sometimes you can just debate for the sake of debating, right? You can get stuck in a rut and dig your heels in. My wife wasn't like that at all. Um, but one thing she did is just quietly live out her faith. And that, I think, is, is a really important message in itself. She just mm. quietly lived out her faith. Um, you know, and, and she, the way that she acted was perfect for, for the type of personality I was at that time. Uh, so she, she would watch a lot of these um, testimonial videos on YouTube, uh, but she'd watch them in German. She's from Berlin. Uh, so when okay. they would, and she can't use technology, so when they would fire up, um, they'd fire up on my phone from my account because she doesn't know how to set up her own YouTube account. So all these YouTube testimonials would pop up on my phone in German, though, and it was just removed enough from the word God um, for me not to really take them away. But that just made me go, okay, well, let me just see if there's any actual testimonials from non-Christians, from atheists. Let's find out about atheists uh, and, and let's hear their testimonies. And I struggle to find them online. Atheist becomes a Christian in a direct format in the fashion of somebody talking at a camera and saying I was an atheist and now I'm a Christian. Uh, certainly on YouTube at that time. So that led me to just go, okay, let me, if I was to research if there was a God, then I might as well start with Christianity because that's my wife's religion. It would be bizarre to start with Hinduism, you know, if that was the case. Although I wasn't going to just, just, um, I wasn't going to, to not look into those. It just made sense to start with first God, uh, first Christianity. Because if Christianity is true, then by definition, I, I recognize this, then the rest must be false. They can't all be true, can they? So, um, and I, I like how C.S. Lewis said when I was reading his works, he said, you know, when it comes to maths, three plus three is six, but three plus three is seven is a lot closer than three plus three is 17 or something along those lines saying that you, some, some religions can kind of come, come, they can get close, but that doesn't mean they're, they're correct, but they're a lot closer than some others. Uh, so I, I started looking into, I just walked around the city reading different books. The first book I, I started is with was uh, The Case for Christ by Lee Strobel. Um, I read, I read through that as a podcast, uh, sorry, as, a, as an audio book. So I just walked around the city. We had one hour a day where we could walk around the city, if you remember those days. And I spent yeah. my hour walking around listening listening to the case for Christ. Um, and the reason I found, I, I, I came to the case for Christ is I type, I wanted to find an, uh, an atheist. And the way I had it in my mind was I want to put this on trial. So I want it to be like in a courtroom. So I typed in this into you, into Google, found a, a lawyer who had the same kind of mindset as me and wanted to do his own research. And he wrote a big PDF file and it was very hard to read on my phone and I couldn't really get into it, but he made reference to case for Christ. And that led me to this book and off I went. So I read that. And as, as I finished reading case for Christ, then I read a book by, um, Frank Turek called, uh, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That was a big, big book. Uh, and then yeah. from there, I just sort of snowballed to the next book and the next book. Uh, and, and I realized that all of the questions that, that were being asked and answered in these books, I've never really, some of them I've thought of, but some of them I've never really thought of. And I think that's because I was just apathetic. I just didn't think to, to ask the questions. Um, and then over a period of, of months, I, I just looked at the research and, and, and I came to a conclusion on the 27th of November. Um, I just went, okay, there's lots of things I'm reading about that that just seemed to, I just don't know what to do with. I read about, uh, I, I read about the prophecies in, in, in the Bible and I was like, well, what do I do with these? Because this is definitely describing Jesus, but this is hundreds and hundreds of years before in, when I'm reading Isaiah 53 and I'm going, well, what do I do with this? And, you know, there was a, I think there was something in the case of Christ where he said, 
just for eight of these prophecies to come true, eight prophecies true about Jesus, just eight of them would be the equivalent of taking one pound coins and stacking them up uh, five feet high, sorry, one feet high, and covering the entire landmass of Texas. And my job would be yeah. to sort of helicopter around and pull one out. That's from 1999. There's only one from 1999. I have to try and find that one. That are the same odds of eight of these prophecies coming true about Jesus. And then I find out there's more than eight. There's like 300. Then I find out in prophecies in general, there's thousands. And it, it just gets stuck into your mind that this is just, it's just not it's not reasonable to walk away going, oh yeah, God doesn't exist. I'd have to be, I'd have to be denying a lot of things that I've learned in order to carry on with an atheist or agnostic mindset. I'd have to be pushing away truth in order to go forward. And the one thing I, I said to myself on, on, on the beginning was uh, try to be as objective as possible. You know, this is not about trying to prove that I'm right. It's just about finding out what's actually true. And, and I'll go where that leads. And when you're an atheist, it's a scary place to go when you find that this is true. Uh, but I did ultimately. And uh, uh, the last thing I did, and I like to credit um, Christopher Hitchens with the last nail in my atheist coffin. Uh, the last thing I did is I watched Frank Turek debate Christopher Hitchens. If anyone doesn't know, Christopher Hitchens is one of the most renowned atheist apologists out there. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he, he debated Christopher, uh, Frank Turek, and he was very succinct, and he's very witty, and he's very charming. And Frank Turek, for all of his wonderful qualities, was very loud and very American, and very, very just brash. You know, if Frank ever hears this, sorry, but very, very brash. But, um, um, but, the, but the difference between them was this. Frank Turek came with facts and stats and data uh, and logic and reason. And Christopher Hitchens came with rhetoric and anger. That was really it. He basically said, uh, I hate God. I was like, God doesn't exist and I hate him for it. And that's all I really got. And I realized that there's nothing in this atheistic argument. And that just... Boom, that put the nail in the coffin. I realized I wasn't getting carried away on a wave of, of apologetic ideas, you know, and I was just being pulled into this camp. I went back and listened to the arguments against, and they were just empty. And that's, that was it for me. I just went, okay, this is true. In the shower that night, of all places, I just went, Lord, I believe oh, this is true. Um, I, I don't know what that really means, but, like, uh, it's true, yeah. and I'm, uh, I, I, I know that you are God, and, uh, and I want to follow you, and... Uh, and yeah, um, obviously things have changed completely for you since then. And now you're involved in evangelism. Now, I first met you at Gala Shields because you were representing 10 of those who were doing the bookshop for our conference. And at the bookshop, you, you, when you were given the bookshop plug, you, you surprised me, I think, at first, because you said that you are really involved in ministry with tracts. Now, tracts have had a, a pretty bad name, haven't they? I think for two reasons. Some people say they're not relational enough. You know, you go drop a tract and leg it before anybody asks you a question. And we've also seen some pretty bad tracts, to be honest. So tell me, what? makes you think that tracts are still a really good way of sharing this faith that you discovered three years ago? I think the, the thing about tracts, and you're right, people just think they have this, uh, you know, they're very old-fashioned, and, and maybe yeah. I remember speaking to quite a, a prominent author, and, and she said, uh, when I think of tracts, I just think of like, people using them instead of tips. 
in America, they give you a tract instead, and it gives them a bad name. Yep. Now, for me, what, what hit me about tracts was, was this. I heard a couple of stories about tracts, and, and one of them was a uh, – the story was that there was uh, two university students, and one of them was given a tract, and he'd taken it, crumpled it up, and thrown it in the bin. Uh, and his, his flatmate went over and fished it out the bin, opened it, read it, came to Christ right there and then – uh, and now he's a prominent minister in the States. Another more incredible story was about a, a cleaner who was cleaning away down some building. And then there was a tract, almost like pulp in the drain, caught in the drains. And he fished it out and looked at that and thought, I wonder what that says. Doesn't know why he wondered that, but he did. And he took it home and dried it out, dried it out and read it. And he came to Christ from reading that. So when we see tracts, sometimes we get disheartened. You might give someone a tract and you might see it on the floor. You know, for me, I think, well, if, if God can use that track to bring that person to Christ, it doesn't matter what, where I think this should end up. It's what God does with them. And, and the Lord knows exactly what he wants to do with any track that we put out there. Now, and then I think the other, so I think in terms of the power of tracks, God's behind them. And that's the thing to remember. Pray over these tracks and send them out. And it does not matter how it looks to our eyes mm -hmm. in terms of them being successful or failures. Uh, and, but the other thing is, I think, is, is we just don't know what to do with them. You know, we think awkwardly hand them to a friend and run out the door. Uh, we just don't know what to do. You know, so for me, I, I like to, to, you know, and this is me, by the way, maybe not so 10 of those endorsed, but this is Adam White, uh, Adam White's approach to doing things. <laughs> I get in trouble. Um, you know, I like to do things. I like, I like to hide them inside of, uh, I like to go to Waterstones and hide them inside Richard Dawkins' books. <laughs> I like to go, um, I like to go into things like Primark. I like to put them in the breast pockets of jackets. When people go and buy them, they find them in there. You know, little things like this is kind of covert. You don't need to, to have a direct com communication with someone. The owner of 10 of those told me a, a little story of what he does. He, he says he takes a tract and he puts it on a bus seat and he prays over that. And he says, Lord, this is no longer my tract. This is whoever, this is somebody else's, this is somebody else's property now. Um, please get it into their hands. So if somebody says, oh, you forgot this, he can genuinely, honestly say, no, that's not mine. <laughs> and he can leave it there, which is a wonderfully clever, you know, a very simple way of knowing that I'm not lying here. That isn't mine anymore. That, that belongs to someone else. And what about petrol um, pumps? Tell, tell them about and, the thing um, you did with the petrol pump that you mentioned at Galashiels. Yeah, I thought that the was petrol hilarious. pump is probably, it's my favorite one. The petrol pump is you, you get up to the petrol pumps now where you can pay, you can pay at the, uh, at the pump uh, and you put your credit card in. So the tracks, uh, most tracks that you see are the, the width of them are the same width of a credit card. So you, so you pay for your petrol and then you slide a tract into the credit card slot. So the next person that comes to the pump has no choice but to take that tract out in order to put their card in. And then while they fill up, they've got something to read. And, uh, and I think that's just one of the, the more fun ways of just sharing a tract. Pop them in. But I think it's just a case of if, if you're shy or you're not sure what to do, you've got opportunities all around you. You know, there's, there's always an opportunity. Um, another one, for instance, just top my, which came to my mind, is uh, beer bottles or beer, beer, beer cases inside supermarkets. They slip right into the beer case. So you pop one in there, they open up, they get the beer. There's a tract in there as well. You know, <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, there's just, there's 101 ways of, 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 of getting tracks out there. And mm -hmm. if, you, if you know that you are still a bit worried about sharing one-to-one, -one, you can still do this work and, and God will bless it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's lots of ways of getting them out. And there are good and there are bad tracks. I was handed a tract about four weeks ago, and it was bonkers. I mean, it was almost like bits of the Bible mixed up with kind of David Icke. I mean, it was just 
loony. Uh, there are some bad tracks to avoid. <laughs> Tell us about some good tracks that are helpful, that you know people are willing to read, that you'd be very confident putting into the hands of non-Christians or putting in a beer case or a petrol pump. What, what's good that's out there available and how can folks get hold of them? Uh, well, what's good, I mean, obviously we're coming up to Christmas now, so there's some wonderful tracks uh, that my company, 10 of those, sell. Um, uh, a, a great series by um, uh, Roger Carswell, who, who, who's a prolific writer, and he's so good at writing tracks and getting and getting an interesting start to the topic and then weaving the gospel into it. Uh, Peace on Earth is a really good one for Christmas. Um, another one's called Love at Christmas, Whiter Than Snow. Uh, but some, some of my favorite tracks, just all-round, all-year tracks, uh, I would say, I'd say my favorite one um, is called... Uh, it's a story of the Titanic, the chap on the Titanic who was witnessing while he was in, you know, while, while he was in the water, the story of the chap who was witnessing to people as the Titanic was going down. That's such a powerful track, I think. And, um, and you know, and, and another one that's just come out, which I've just finished reading the book, it's called Last on God's List which is such a powerful message, this book, this biography, uh, Last on God's List, which talks about a, a man who was from London who was right into drugs he, and, and, and gang fighting and stabbing and all these things and how his life was just turned around. And this tract is, is, is focusing on people who just know, we just know in our hearts sometimes that, that I, I, I just think I've done too many bad things that I can't, Surely I can't. There's no hope for me. Um, you know, and we can have tracks that shall talk from apologetic angles. Um, but I, I think for, for most people, that's that's going to be the thing that really grabs them. It's actually, you know, you're not you're not so far gone that that, that God can't bring you mm-hmm. to salvation, that He can't save you. Um, so I really I really like that one as well. Um, and obviously Halloween coming up, we've got some really nice. Nice um, Halloween tracks. The scariest story. Uh, the scariest stories are the true ones. I quite like that track. I think that's got a really nice way of just bringing an idea of what the gospel message is to kids, but not in a not in a you know a, not, not in a, a too forceful fashion. That that the parents can grab that, the kids can grab that, and then actually take it. I'm a big fan of a track that doesn't look obvious as you start reading it. Yeah. You know, it builds to the actual story. I think a lot of people, if you if you shut down with tracks, if it says if it says God on the front or Jesus on the front before you even open it up, there's a good chance they just get thrown away anyway. Um, now that's that's not to be said though, because I believe that, that as I said, God will if that might be the very word they need to hear and see, you know. Um, but I think there's different tracks for different people who sure. who need to be approached in different ways. I needed some intellectual understanding of Christianity, and I needed to have an understanding of that this wasn't just all fairy tale and there was no truth to this, you know, that there was there was real concrete intellectual evidence for the faith. Yeah, so moving up from tracks then to some some bigger books, some longer reads, what would be your go-to books that you would want to recommend to people if they were like you, you know, wanting to really kind of seriously investigate Christianity? You know, maybe three or four, what are, what are your go-to book recommendations for you know, contemporary culture for sharing the gospel with folks? Sure. Then obviously, but the first on my list will be the case for Christ, as that was such a powerful book for me. Yeah. Such a simple way of asking questions, uh, giving objections, and getting concrete, reasonable answers is a is a wonderful book, and, and and really well tied into how we think about modern day. So using modern day examples in crime cases, and then linking them to to the examples in the in the Bible is a really clever way of 
congruently putting those two together. Um, so Case for Christ is really powerful. Um, mere Christianity, in fact, C.S. Lewis, I'll give you the double, mere Christianity and the problem of pain. I love the fact that C.S. Lewis, once he came to Christ, went, what's the hardest subject to deal with? Well, that's going to be pain and suffering. So let me just dive headfirst into that. You know, his, his introduction in, in the problem of pain, where he says, where I'm an, where not, when I was an atheist, why, if you asked me why I didn't believe in God, I would have told you because the world is so cruel and the universe, and he just builds this massive case for why God shouldn't exist, but then just turns it on a dime and says, but where did I get this idea of good from? And all of a sudden, it just builds wonderfully. Mere Christianity, obviously, is a, is a classic. Mm-hmm. Lots of ra- it's, obviously, it's not a book so much as a lot of radio talks that are being compiled mm-hmm. into a book. Um, but it's but it's so well, and it happens. And those radio talks were over the World War Two, so it has this sort of urgency in them. And I think that's a great read now, as people maybe are worrying about all the things that are happening in the world, obviously in Israel and the war in Ukraine. Yeah. Um, his messages are just as powerful um, and just as relevant today as they were back then. Uh, a couple of others uh, for myself, um, Strange New World by Dan Truman was a really, really good read just to understand how how the culture have got to and how I used to think about certain things, how that even became part of my thinking, mm-hmm. how you know these, these old thinkers from 100 years plus um, – postulated ideas that got debunked within most of their life, most of them debunked within their lifetime, but how they sort of percolated and then through society, um, they sort of like a slow cancer moved back to the forefront of thinking. So I think that's really powerful just to help understand why I think the way I do. Um, And then two more, then I would say, can science explain everything by John Lennox? Because people think that science is the answer. And he is so good at just showing that, you know, science, when you think about science and when you, when you think about, you know, how this world works and how we then take the data, that we have a presupposition there if we're not careful. And if our presupposition is naturalism, then we will never allow for a miracle. And therefore, we think that science will solve everything. But science can't explain everything. Yeah. The irony is, is that one of my favorite parts in this book is he says that science can't even explain Science. You can't use the scientific method to prove science itself, Mm -hmm, which is, mm -hmm. which you wouldn't even, I mean, it's just a wonderfully clever book, which I think, you know, I I pray that my brother gets that book and reads, but I think it's great to read that, to understand that, that, that more. That's great. We'll put a list of all those books in in the show notes so that people can look those up. Um, All of those will be available at 10ofthose.com. So uh, 10 as in number, number 10ofthose.com. And you have a deal going on those, some of those, I believe. That, well, that's right. Actually, for, for all the listeners, uh, for, for the, the next four weeks from hearing this message, if you go to tenadose.com, um, you can actually go to Solus, the partnership page, or maybe you can make that um, link available in the in the link of the, the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you can go there and look at the titles there. But you can also just use a code, and the code will be, uh, I think we said we're going to call it Pep Talk. And the code will be pep talk and you'll get 20% off anything on the website for the next four weeks from hearing this message. Uh, so all those titles are, are there as well. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, we hope we can get some of those out into, <laughs> into the community and get some of those read and some of those tracks and evangelistic things out. Our time has gone. 
It went in a flash. Thank you so much. Wow. I love your passion and your enthusiasm for the gospel. And it's lovely to hear your testimony at the start as well. Now, without turning this ending into an Oscar speech, I have a few people to thank. Thank you, first of all, to all those of you who listen. Without you being there, there would be no point in doing a program. Thank you to Adam for joining me today and being a really wonderful guest and, and empowering us and enthusing us to share the gospel, particularly using tracts and, and literature and things that were so important in his coming to Christ. And behind the scenes, we need to thank David Hartnett, our producer, and Catherine Tompkins, who keeps us all organized. We will be back in a fortnight's time. The subject will be the same, sharing the gospel of Jesus with people today who need to hear it, need to know about him and the hope and the life and the forgiveness of sin that he alone brings. But we'll be back in a fortnight with more interesting stuff on sharing the gospel today. Thank you for listening. Again, goodbye. Goodbye.